Hi, this is Austin Anderson. I'm the lead pastor of Tekoa Church. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Tekoa Church exists to see people connect to God, to find and live out their purpose. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and draws you closer to God. Well, I'm so thankful to have you guys with us today. We're in our final week of our Back to Basics series. Um, and it's been, um, I know, encouraging, strengthening for me. I've loved being a part of our Bible reading group, and I've loved digging into some of even just these foundational topics of worship and prayer, um, serving some of the things we've got to talk about. Next week, we are post-Thanksgiving, and we're in the Advent season, so I'm excited to jump into um, our Advent series as we look forward to Christmas um, and really look at some principles that are appropriate for the season, but that are applicable to us throughout the year as well. And today, I'm excited about our topic today. I wasn't always excited about our topic today, and I definitely wasn't always excited about the prospect as a pastor of having to talk about this topic. Today we're talking about giving, we're talking about generosity. It is one of those foundational principles for us and I've learned, um, and God has really changed my heart, that this is an exciting part of both my faith and my life. I'm excited for us to talk about this um, in the context of our church as well, and how as a church even, we live out this principle. Now some of you, as we talk about investing in God's church, you might think or say, I'm not that invested in God's church, and that's okay. And to be honest, I want to help you recognize that while you may not yet be invested in God's church, you are invested somewhere. Maybe you realize that, maybe you don't realize that, but you're invested, you believe in something, you're passionate in something, somewhere. Um, for example, if you buy season tickets to watch your favorite sports team play. Um, and people do this across the country. It's maybe not quite as crazy here, but I see um, some football fans that are out there, and they are out there face-painted and crazy. If it's 110 degrees or it's five degrees below zero, they're out there cheering on their, their sports team. And those people are definitely invested in that team. And what happens is your heart follows where you are invested. If you're invited to attend a class on managing your money, your finances, you don't pay anything for it. You might go to it, um, or you might not go to it, or you might go and not really care, not pay attention. If, on the other hand, it costs you a lot of money, um, maybe you had to travel to get there, you're going to squeeze all you can out of that because you are invested there. If you've got an old junker car and someone says, hey, can I eat in your car? You might say, sure, why not? You can use the back seat as a trash can if you want. If on the other hand, you get that brand new car that you've been wanting for a really long time, you're probably going to say, no, you can't eat. Don't even breathe while you're in my car. You put the kids in the back after you wrap everything in plastic and make sure it stays as clean in possible. Matter of fact, you might wrap your kids. No, don't do that in plastic. Um, but you care because you're invested and it costs you something. You're invested in something. We're all invested in different things. And the problem is, for many of us, unfortunately, we're investing in things that we don't realize we're investing in, um, or we're investing even in things that just don't last. We're investing in things that don't matter for the long term. 
And when you look at the words, when you look at the teachings of Jesus, he uses a, a phrase again and again. He illustrates it different times. He talks about it in different parables. And what essentially he says, and we're going to look at today, is that we are not to invest in things that don't last, but instead pour out our blessing or pour out our um, investment on things that do last. I want to show you one of the verses that he said and show you a few different examples um, through Scripture that illustrate this principle and God's working through his church, how we're to be invested in his church and how he works through the church, his bride of Christ, and that, that through that, he makes a difference in this world. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, he says, sorry, verse 19, he says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. He says, don't store up, don't hoard what you have, don't invest everything you have in places that don't last, that don't matter. He says, don't store up, he says, to pour it out. And I hope this message today, as I talk about this principle that God has created us to pour, not to store, I hope that this leaves you encouraged, excited about this topic. Maybe you're a little bit nervous right now. Maybe you're wondering, was this a good use of my morning? But I believe that you can walk out of here excited about this. It's a life-transforming principle. It's a powerful principle um, of building the work of God through his church, that God created us for this and when we live it out. And I've realized that there's a thrill, a deep satisfaction in being a part of giving. And I think that's part of our purpose. He's created us all for this. And it's only when we begin to live that out. We all love getting to give. There's an abiding, abiding sense of joy when you use what God has trusted you with to be a blessing to someone else. And that's why very few of us will look back at life and get emotional over a story or over something that happened that was about consuming. There's few people that are going to say this spending story, this spending time where I went into the store and I went ahead and put the bracelet on my credit card and I didn't have money for it, um, but I bought it and I spent the next year paying it off with a bunch of interest. Nobody is going to look back at their life and say, I'm excited about that. I can't wait to share about that. I feel so good about that decision. You might make the decision, but you don't feel great about it in the long run. We don't have those emotional spending stories, but I know that those of you who are generous, you may have plenty, actually, and I know there's many in our church like this. We have plenty of emotional and exciting giving stories. When we look back over our life and there are times that when we tithe, we might get really emotional about that time where we were faithful in it, and God provided, and we got to take this radical step of faith, and got to, God got to work and change people's life. We gave an offering, and there was somebody in your small group maybe in need, and you gave what was significant to you. Maybe it was not even a huge amount of money or thing, but it was significant to you, and you got to make a difference in someone's life. Sometimes it's not even just finances. Um, I'm, I got to see something come full circle today that I was really excited about. Um, sorry, not today, but um, this fall. Um, what happened today is one of the guys on our worship team, a couple years ago, we had our baby. 
and him and his wife brought us food and got to bless and pray for us and, and be with us and support us in a, a challenging time of having a newborn. Um, and then last month, we got to return the favor. They had their baby, and we got to, um, we had been praying with them, and we got to celebrate with them on their new baby and bring them food. Now, that's a story, that's a time that we get excited about because we got to bless somebody else. We got to pour something out with our time, um, with um, some of our finances. And those are the times that bring joy for us, that joy because we got to pour out a blessing and not store it up. And I think the reason that some people get upset or uncomfortable when we talk about giving, it's because we all really want to give, but we feel like maybe we're not in a place to give right now. We'd like to give more, but we feel like we need more um, to be comfortable. We need um, more in our lives. And I understand this as well. Because I grew up consumed with maybe what you could call a scarcity mindset. And those that have a mindset like this is that they're always wanting more to be safe, secure, to be comfortable. And you're always storing more thing. You think, this is all there is. I need to keep as much to myself as possible versus thinking, hey, I have this pie, but there are more pies out there that I can help make and that I can achieve that God can even give to me. And this is a different mindset. And in fact, Jesus told a parable that we're going to look at today in Luke chapter 12. What's interesting about this story is that this is a guy who was a rich, and for his time, a very rich farmer. And he understood what it meant to work hard, to plant the harvest, um, to plant, to wait, to probably weed, to harvest his grain. Um, and he had been doing well for himself. And he had been doing so well, he said to himself, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store my grain and my goods, because he had so much, he didn't even have a place to store everything he had anymore. For us, it's like the bank ran out of space, and we had to go find another bank, um, because the bank couldn't hold anymore for us. For him, he said, I'm going to build even more. I will store my surplus grain. I'm not going to pour it out. I'm going to store it up. And Jesus says in this story, this parable, this man is being short-sighted. And God says something very dramatic in this example, this parable. He says, this is what's going to happen. Your very life is actually going to be demanded tonight of this guy. He was all set to, to live a great life. He had stored everything up and he didn't get to enjoy any of it, Jesus said, whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich for God, we are meant to be rich for God. We're not supposed to guard it. We're not supposed to just store it up. We're supposed to be wise. He doesn't critique the guy for being a smart businessman, um, but we are to be, um, use it as God leads us to use it. And this opposite mindset of the scarcity mindset that I believe um, Jesus is sharing here is that we have a mindset of abundance. We believe that we serve an abundantly generous and good God. Our, and our God owns everything in this world. He created it all, and he loves to bless his children. He loves to care for them. And we believe that he loves to bless us partly because he loves us, partly so that we can be a blessing to those around us, in this 
world. And there's a story of this amazing woman that lived a very dark, challenging life that then encountered the grace and love of Jesus that lived with this abundant mindset. Matter of fact, we talked about her a few weeks ago when we looked at the topic of worship. This woman, who was a prostitute, who heard about the grace of Jesus, traveled a long way to meet him, walked straight into this house of religious leaders, takes her most valuable possession that was probably worth about a year of her wages, and because of who Jesus was and what he had done for her and the grace that he had given to her, she didn't just store it up. Instead, she poured it out on him as an act of her worship, a sacrificial act of worship. And you can almost imagine what she is thinking in this, why she would have been driven to this. If he's good enough to forgive me, he's powerful enough to provide for me. Let me say that one more time. If God is good enough to forgive me, he is good enough and powerful enough to provide for me. And that is a truth that I believe to the depth of my soul. And whatever this woman had, she said, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna use it as an expression of worship to God. She didn't store it up. She poured it out for God. And what's interesting is there's another person in this story. His name was Judas. And Jesus, Judas, sorry, did not have an abundant mindset. Instead, he had a scarcity mindset. If you don't know the full story about him, you might at least know this. He was the guy that betrayed Jesus so that he could be arrested and sent to the cross. But why did he betray Jesus? Chief among those reasons was he did it for some money. Probably he was hanging around Jesus thinking this guy is prophesied to be the king of Israel. If I'm his right-hand man, there's going to be some wealth in it for me. And it didn't turn out that way. Instead, Jesus said, my kingdom's a different kingdom than you thought. I have good things for you, but it's not for you to be the richest person in the land. And so he went seeking money. He went seeking 30 pieces of silver for the information and the ability to give Jesus to be arrested. And this was in contrast to this woman. And he actually said this in this situation to the woman, why would you do that? Stop wasting what you are doing. The perfume could have been sold for a bunch of money. Um, you could have even given that to the poor, funded the ministry. We don't even have enough to worship Jesus like that. We don't have enough to be generous. And instead, Jesus said, this woman has done a beautiful act of worship. What he said is that in year 2021, Pastor Austin will preach about this one day. He says, essentially that, he says, for all eternity, this woman will be known. And for generations to come, her sacrificial, extravagant, act of love and worship would be known that God is good and he would provide for her as she poured out in worship to him. I'm invested in the work of God and I'm trusting that he provides and looks on and as I pour out through the family of God that then in turn can be a blessing to people all over the world who are in need. And God has created you, I hope you'll realize this, to pour, to be a blessing, not to store. In fact, I told you that there's more stories to come. Let's jump into another one. This one comes from Luke chapter 9, and it was when Jesus fed the 5,000. 
That's kind of the title often that's in the Bible. As you read this, he fed the 5,000, but there was probably 15 to 20,000 people here because unfortunately back then they only counted the men. So we don't get the women and the children, even though they were quite important to Jesus. They're not counted here. So this is probably maybe the biggest crowd that Jesus ever preached to are gathered here. I don't even understand how before microphones you could preach to a crowd that big. I don't know if it was like telephone and it went back person to person. Maybe there was like kids running back like telling what Jesus was saying, but somehow they were all gathered to hear Jesus, and he's preaching on and on and on. It literally is saying this. He had this super long sermon. It says, it, Luke says this in verse 12. He says, now the day began to wear away. He's like, the day just kept going and going, and Jesus was not stopping. And in, so what he says is, as the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. Luke here is basically like, he went too long. The guy did not understand that a good sermon does not last all day. And his volunteer staff, the disciples, you can see them probably having a conversation like, we're in this remote place. I'm hungry. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry. I want something to eat. And this guy just keeps talking. What do we do? Who's the one that's going to go up to him and tell him he needs to, he needs to, like, who's the guy in the back giving the pastor the signal? Like, you're too long. Cut it short. Service needs to be over. And the, the 12 probably got together and they said, well, nobody wants to do this. So let's go up to him together and let him know that, hey, we got no food. It's going long. I'm hungry. I know these people are hungry. Like, let's end this thing. But what Jesus says to them is, you give them something to eat. He tells the disciples, you have more than five loaves. We have, and the disciples tell him, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. And we think loaves, like, oh, that's pretty big. But it was basically like, we've got about five crackers here and maybe two cans of tuna. And that was barely enough for my lunch, let alone a lunch for even all 12 of us, let alone everybody else here, this 15,000 people. And they said, we don't have enough. And Jesus said, and um, Jesus said to them, listen, this isn't the right mindset. And this is what Jesus did. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Now visualize this. Here's the five loaves and the two fish. And Thomas goes to the first person. Thomas, one of the disciples, says, you know, break off a little. Don't, don't take too much. Don't be greedy. Just a little bit. Supposedly, this is supposed to go the whole distance. I don't know what's going to happen here. Take a small piece. But the people give. But the disciples give. And I don't know, the kids run, out, run it around. And somehow everybody gets to eat. And then Jesus, I think our God sometimes... You know, he wants to teach. He wants to educate the disciples. I think he also has a little bit of a sense of humor because there's 12 disciples there. And what happens at the end? They pick up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces left over. Like, you thought we didn't have enough. Here's a take-home bag for each of you to go and remember that there's always enough when God is around. There is plenty. I want to see. And this is what happened. Jesus blessed it. The disciples gave it, and then, only then, did God multiply it. And the principle is this. If you keep all you have, it just comes to yourself. But what you give, God multiplies. 
What you give, God multiplies. We are created to pour it out, not store it up for ourselves. And as we become this funnel of blessing to the world around us, and we're generous with others, God will often, it's not a guarantee, it's not um, it's not a guarantee that God was just going to give us more. It's not about getting more for ourselves, but it's often that God will restore that provision, even multiply it so that we can do even more for the world around us. God multiplied what they had, not when it was little, not when they prayed, but when they began to give it away. When they began to trust God, then he multiplied it. And generous people realize it is a joy to make a difference in this world and make a difference in the lives of others. And it's a mindset. For me, this is a driving mindset for both our family and for our church and what we're called to do. And part of the reason I'm really passionate, part of the reason I was able to get excited about this message today is because this wasn't always my mindset. It was not my natural mindset. Let me tell you, confession time, I am not a generous person, person, sorry, um, on my own. My natural, I'm a very selfish person. And this is who I was. It's not who I am anymore. And it's not how I lead our church because God has done something in me. And I am thankful. I don't know who here is thankful that God will take broken people and transform them because I am, because I'm a totally different person today. And this is what God did for me. See, I grew up in um, a family that was very generous. I um, feel like for me, though, for some reason that didn't quite sink in, even though that's what I grew up around. My mom is a super generous person, and to no fault of her own, for some reason it didn't rub off on me. But I learned through time that God blesses, we give, and then he multiplies. I'm going to get back to my story in just a second, um, but there's a biblical principle called the tithe, which comes from a Hebrew word, masar, which literally means a tenth. And God instituted for his people, the Jewish people, that they would give back the first 10% of what they had to him. And that's a biblical principle. It's not just something that pastors say because, you know, we lead a church. But, you know, I was skeptical. I was not always having the right heart. And so when I was back in Bible college— I was like, let me, like, is this a real thing or is this just what people say so that uh, churches can get money? And so I said, let me look into this. Matter of fact, I had to write my senior thesis to graduate um, school. And so I said, let me look into this. I said, maybe I can get out of this tithing thing. I know it's in the Old Testament, but is it post-Jesus? Is there a way for me to get out of this? And so I began to look into it because that's just kind of how I was in college. Matter of fact, I went to Bible college because I was pursuing ministry. God still had some work to do on my heart before I was ready for ministry. Um, and I went to a Bible college, and so we had chapel three times a week that was required to go to. So we had to go to like a church service three times a week. I was the kind of student that said, how do I get out of this? How do I duck out early with nobody noticing? My senior year, I actually um, got my boss to write um, a letter, and I got excused from this. This is who I am. Allie, my wife, on the other hand, is the opposite. She was the one that was the, the monitor at those chapels. We went to the same school. We didn't know each other, but we went to the same school. She was the one monitoring attendance 
Um, and she is totally opposite of me. She's about how much can I do? How much can I give? But this was not my heart. So I was like, all right, how can I get out of it? Let me research this. So this is what I looked into. So I said, okay, I see it's very, very clear. The Old Testament calls us to tithe. And then I began to see, well, Jesus does affirm this. So here we go. This is what it says. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. What I found out when I looked into this was, okay, Jesus kind of affirms it here. Okay, but what about the church? Literally, you know, there's lots of instructions in the New Testament of how we're to live our lives, but I don't see anywhere about tithing. So it's school. I can't just say a thesis and, and not back it up. So I had to look into the history of it. And the more I looked into the history, the more God began to convict me because what I found out was that for the first few centuries— the church was extravagantly generous. Paul didn't need to tell his churches, make sure you give your tithe, because the church, people that were a part of the churches were giving vastly more than their tithe. They were giving houses, they were giving properties, they were generous with their time, with their food, and with their finances so much that the writers of the New Testament didn't even need to really address this other than say, be generous. Because the churches were extravagant in how they were living it out. And I began to see this principle that God set up at the beginning of time of tithing. And we see this in the very first few chapters of Genesis in the Bible. That Jesus then affirms it as he's talking to the religious leaders of his day. And the church began to live it out in a way that was putting me to shame. And it didn't end there though. I, I hope doesn't end there for you. I have good news. And it started with a conviction in my heart, but it changed who I was, and I began to get excited about this. It was hard. At first, I said, literally, I'm trusting God. You know, I got out of school. I'm working. I said, okay, God, I'm trusting you with my tithe. Here's my 10%. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm convicted of this exploration I had. So I said, well, here, God, here's an extra 20 bucks. And it was like, painful for me to give that extra amount that was a fraction of percentage of my income. But I felt like, here's a little bit extra. Let me be, start to be generous. And I started to look for ways that I could bless friends and family and people around me. Um, and I went from being this person, unfortunately, that would be like, on my own, I wouldn't want to tip anybody anywhere to how can I be generous with those around me because of what God has done for me. Matter of fact, my family, we were missionaries for a while in Costa Rica, and we lived on a tiny amount. We lived on $400 a month. That was our income. That would not suffice very well here, but it did barely where we were living, and we were—it was good. But one of the things that happened is my heart changed from when I was in school was when Allie and I moved to San Jose, our conversation at the end of the week when the paychecks came in on Friday for the very first time and there was a lot more there than there had been before was, we are so excited that there's more that we get to give away now. There's so much more impact that we get to have in the world. We were doing it with our hands before and not to undervalue that because um, that has an extremely important place as well. And it doesn't matter how much, but we were excited that there was now more to give away. And this is what God does. He begins to change us as we follow him. 
And it's why I can preach this and be excited and not ashamed of this message of, ah, man, I have to talk about money to the church because the church needs money to survive. It's not about that. It's about trusting God and letting him use you to make a difference in this world. And I know as a pastor, as a Christian, that when I share an opportunity, even in a minute, for you to give, that if I didn't share it, I would be robbing you of an opportunity because my family gets this opportunity. I want you to have this opportunity as well to make a difference in God's church and in, his, in this city, in this world. And I hope that you can have as much hope and joy as I do about this. And you might be thinking, that sounds great, but that is a crazy idea. I could never do that. And it's almost as if God knew that some of us might think that. And so he said this, um, in the Old Testament, he said, test me, give it a shot. He said to the Israelite people, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Now he said this to the people of Israel, but I believe it's true for us today as well. If you test God in this, he will show you that it is a blessing to give. I'm not going to guarantee you he's going to give you more than you give out. It's not, it's not one of those types of churches or messages. But I can tell you that it's good and God is going to bless you. And that if we pour out, that he's going to multiply it way more and our lives are going to mean something than if we just try to store it up to ourselves because God is faithful to those that follow him. I want to share something exciting with our church, but let me give a little bit of background here because it's going to help us and also see even maybe why you would want to do this. So in 2013, there were several leaders from the faith, business, and tech communities in the Bay Area that began to dream together of how people of faith could work together to make life better for every person in the Bay Area make it better physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. And the outcome of this group of people getting together was a group started called Transforming the Bay with Christ. A bunch of business owners, executives, leaders in the Bay Area got together and said, hey, we're a bunch of smart people. What is the biggest way we can do to make a difference in our communities? Because we want to make it count. We care about getting, you know, the biggest return on our investment possible. And they said, we're Christians. We love the church. And they said, the best investment we could possibly make would be the local church. The best investment we could make would be the local church. You might think, really? That was the best investment. A bunch of, in the startup capital of the world, it's not another startup it's a church. Well, maybe it's a startup church. That's like we are and many startup churches here in the Bay Area. But what they said, this was the best investment they could possibly make. Why would they say that? Probably because they realized where else could you give that could be in turn more generous away. A place that gives more to other churches around the world. A, church, a place that helps in their local communities and in the global community. Um, both with financial resources as well as just the human resources of helping and making a difference, that together they realized that the local church could make a difference and multiply what God wanted to do in the world. And I hope, just like this group of people, that you are invested somewhere, that you would be invested. And as a church, we try to live out 
this idea that they were trying to do. We, as a church, are seeing God do this. We're bringing hope to people around us. We're seeing God, through the work we're doing, restore marriages to build marriages. We're giving purpose to people that didn't have it before. We're see, seeing people find strength to break free from addictions. We've seen over 15 people come to faith in Jesus. We're baptizing people. And I'm excited about this next one, even as we come to the end of the year. And I was looking at our budget with our board, I was excited that we have given away already, our baby church has given away over $30,000 already, and as we came to the end of the year, I said, you know what, God, we have a chance to be even more generous, and so I was able to talk with the church planning partners we partner with, as well as um, get ready for Opening Doors, that is a homeless outreach we partner with, to give more to them at the end of the year, another $3,000, 10% of what we were already able to give away this year, because this is who we are. We are a church that makes a difference in the lives of those of the people that are a part of our church, as well as our city. Because our church believes the same principle that Ali and I personally believe, and that as your pastor, I believe for you. As a church, we believe in tithing as well, and giving away at least 10% of what comes into our church. And like I said, Ellie and I believe this as well. We sit together on our couch, usually on Friday night, sometimes Saturday night, at the end of the week after Hannah has gone to bed, and we pray over our finances and our church. We give our tithe to Tekoa, and we pray for the church together. And we say, God, we, would you bless this? Would you make a difference? Would you impact more and more people? We pray that you would make a difference, because when you're invested— you are going to care more, you're going to pray more, you're going to serve more, you're going to do more because you are invested in that place and God making a difference in there. And this verse in Mark 10 stood out to me. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. And here's a principle that I have learned for myself. I have never regretted what I have given. I thought about this this week as I was preparing this message. I'm like, can I say that? Is that true? It's true. I've never regretted what I have given or what I've given up. I have regretted not giving. I have regretted not being generous. But I've never regretted giving away. Because God multiplies what I give, and it is amazing to be a part of making a difference in this world. And I love that even if it's little, I don't know what you walked into church today with. I don't know what your life looks like. Maybe you say, I don't have a lot. It's okay. It doesn't matter if you don't have a lot. You don't have to give a lot value-wise, but it can be a lot for you, and God will multiply it. And that's the amazing thing. It can be, literally, it can be a couple dollars or it can be a, a ton of money, but God will multiply what you do, and it's amazing to watch Him do that and get to be a part. And so, this is an opportunity for all of us. So the amazing God that we give, that we serve, He is the one. 
where you invest, your heart follows. And I hope with everything in me that you will recognize that you are invited to the family of God, that you are invaluable to God's work. You have got spiritual gifts inside of you. We talked some about that last week to make a difference as the church and in this world. You are an influencer where God has placed you. You are the salt and light of this world, and I want to encourage you to let your light shine into this world as you are invested, not storing up just for yourself, but pouring out because we serve an abundant, faithful, good, and generous God who gives his children more than enough, who blesses them so that we, the people of God, could then in turn meet the needs of people in the name of the one who gave it all for us, Jesus. So Father, today, would you pray with me, church? Father, today I pray that we will be a church full of people investing in your work, pouring blessings out, not just storing it up for ourselves, that the goodness of you, Jesus, we would get to be a part of. And I pray that right now we would have that heart of generosity, Lord. And if you're here right now even, and you haven't accepted this truth of what God has done, I want to invite you right now. God has made a way for you. He has made a way by being radically generous in sending his son Jesus to live a perfect life for us and die for us. And so I want to invite you right now, if you want to choose to follow him, I pray that our church, you would pray this with me, even if you've said this before, that you would pray to God right now to trust him for what he has done in your life. If you are in that boat, if you are praying today and you say, I don't have the peace of Jesus in my life, I don't have a heart of generosity in my life, and I don't even know what it would look like to have that, but it sounds good. God is inviting you, and he is a giving God. He is a good God. And he sent the greatest gift of all Jesus for you. So would you pray this with me if you want to follow him? Say, Jesus, thank you. God, I believe you sent Jesus for me, that he died and rose to new life. I admit I've sinned and fallen short. Forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus with my life. Amen, amen, amen. If you chose to recommit to following Jesus or you chose to follow him for the first time today, I want to invite you to let us know. Um, At the end of service, um, Allie and Lauren are going to come up and they'll share with you how to fill out the Tacoa card. Please let us know there so that we can walk alongside you and encourage you. Um, But before we respond with a time of musical worship, there's a chance for us to respond in worship through our generosity and our giving, just like that woman did. And there's a, a chance for us to respond as a church. And I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey and where you're at in this journey of generosity. So there might be different steps for different people here. Maybe you've never trusted God with your tithe before of giving him that 10%. For some of you, I want to encourage you, take that bold step of faith 
to give him 10%, test him with that, test him, give him 90 days because it takes 90 days to start a habit. Give him 90 days with your tithe and go all in on it and see if God doesn't bless your life. It's Christmas. It's a season that is often challenging. It's expensive, but trust him through this season and God will provide for you. For some of you, that might seem crazy, but God is encouraging you to do that. So I want to invite you to do that. For some of you, maybe your finances are totally out of control, but you got to start somewhere. So maybe it's 2% or 3% and you can, that's a stretch to trust God with, but that's a great place to start. For some, I'm excited to share with you an opportunity. Maybe you've already, like many in our church, been trusting God already with your finances. And there's an opportunity to give above and beyond. That organization I talked about earlier of those business leaders that started here in the Bay Area, they give out grants to churches each year. And I'm really excited to announce that our church, Tacoa, has been selected for one of those grants. And I'm excited to share that our church gets to even be a part and partner with that because the business leaders said, we know that investing is important. And so we want to get even more people involved. So what they said is that they have given us a grant of $25,000 as we lead into 2022. Yes, that is worth praising God for. That's amazing. What they said is we believe that partnering is even more valuable. So they said if if your church and people outside of your church that are invested in our mission would give $25,000, they would match that so that we could raise $50,000 together. And I'm excited for what God is going to do because that's going to position us very strong for us to come into 2022. We have three main things we want to be able to use that for. Number one is doing more outreach events for our city. There is a park right there even, and we're in conversations with the city about doing some events in the new year and this summer to be able to just bless our community. We want to also, number two, give more away to our local partners that are reaching the the homeless community, our local partners that are church planting and our national church planting partners. We want to give more away. And number three, um, we want to increase the impact we're having through our Sunday gatherings here that God is already doing an amazing work here. So if you want to be a part of this, if you want to give above and beyond to be a part of this opportunity, um, there's a link right now on our website. That's on our giving page. So if you go to tacoachurch.org, if you click on giving, um, you can see this at the top. Um, and if you click this link, it'll take you to um, the portal for us to give. And, and this is our opportunity, church. This is our opportunity to say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm pouring it out. I'm not just storing it for myself. And God, I pray that you would multiply this. Not just double it for the 25000 but that that money would actually multiply the impact of your church. This is a chance for us to pray into 2022 as a church that, God, you would do way more than you've done in 2021. We've made it as a church through, not through, but it's not over yet, but we've made it and launched in the middle of COVID, and we're continuing to do ministry and work. We're seeing God impact people, and I want to invite you, partner with us, pray with us, that God would do so much in 2022 that is beyond our wildest dreams. So this is a chance right now as we worship. You can even pull out your phone right now and give on our website, whether that's to tithe, maybe for the very first time, or to give to this, or you can do this week. But as, as well, um, they're going to lead us in one more song. And this is our response to him, because we serve a good God who has loved us so much that he sent Jesus for us.
Thank you for joining us on the Tekoa Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and let God do the work only he can do. We hope it helped you wherever you are at in your faith journey. We want to connect with you if you're going through something difficult or looking to be a part of our church community. Fill out the Tekoa card on our Connect page, tekoachurch.org slash connect. While there, you can also see the most up-to-date information in the life of our church. A special thank you to those of you who give to Tekoa. Your sacrifice makes this podcast and our Sunday gatherings possible, as well as creates life change throughout the world. You can be a part of this by going to tekoachurch.org slash giving. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Until next time, blessings.